Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our series through the book of Psalms, five chapters a day. Uh, we are reading Psalm chapter 81 through 85 today, if you're keeping up with the plan. Uh, and so I'm excited to get into this. We're going to be reading together Psalm 84 and 85, and we're specifically going to be looking today at Psalm 84. Um, I think there's a lot of really good stuff to go and to look at these psalms, but I hope that you've been enjoying this. I also do just want to uh, remind you that if you're listening to this on iTunes or, like I said, it's Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or wherever you're listening to this at, because uh, I think there's a few other places that it goes out to, uh, I do want to just remind you that you can go over to shoutsofgrace.stubs. Let's try that again. Shoutsofgrace.substack.com. Once again, that's shoutsofgrace.substack.com. Uh, and you can see other stuff that are coming out, uh, like some articles, and uh, soon there'll be um, an ebook and some other stuff coming out. Uh, and so excited about that, but also wherever you're listening to it, that's fine too. Uh, but let's go ahead and let's check out Psalm chapter 84 today and 85. And it says this starting in verse 1 of Psalm chapter 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of my, of the Lord. My heart and, yes, my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. O God, behold our shield, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Then Psalm 85 says this, Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin, Selah. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation, and cause your anger towards us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will not will you excuse me, will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield an increase. Righteousness will go before him, and he shall make his footsteps our pathway. 
You know, I really like this verse here, verse 9. And in verse 9, it says, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. Is near to those who fear him. And then it continues on and it says that the glory, that glory may dwell in our land. And this is important to understand that, that the only way to have salvation is really through the fear of God. You know, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Of course, um, salvation and in choosing to believe on Jesus Christ, that is a position of wisdom. And so uh, we, we go and we look at this. You're not going to be saved if you don't fear God. If you don't fear God and you don't, you're not then a, attracted to, to want to go towards God, but you're also then not afraid of hell if you don't fear God, because that is the just judgment that God goes and he brings. And so we see the importance of fearing God, which we looked at that quite a bit in the series on Proverbs here just a few months ago. But then it says something interesting. It says, and is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. You know, it, it tells us in Proverbs that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. But, but I think this takes it kind of the next step. If we really want glory to be in our land, if we really want to live in an exalted nation, it, it's not just that we avoid sin, but it is also that we have people that are distinctly God-fearing. And you know, that used to be something that we would say of people quite a bit, you know, oh, that's a God-fearing man. You know, that person there, he's really a God-fearing person. It, you know, we'd look at that, we'd describe people in our nation in that way, but in today's day and age, it seems completely the opposite. It seems like we don't say that people fear God. We look out and we we, we see people and, you know, you have people who are going and they're, uh, they're, they're parading their sin. They're taking pride in their sin. There are those who go and they shout their abortions. You know, there, there is no shame anymore uh, with people. There is no, no shame. There is no fear of God. We go and we see this here. They're not God-fearing anymore. And we can also see that our nation has really lost a lot of its splendor. It's really lost a lot of its glory. She wasn't what she used to be. Isn't that true? You go and you look out at America, and I mean, if you cut me, I, I'm, I'm telling you, red, white, and blue might come out. You know, every 4th of July, we watch The Patriot. I love, uh, absolutely love reading our founding fathers, love quoting our founding fathers, uh, love reading the Federalist Papers, quite, quote often uh, the Declaration of Independence. Um, you know, I, I love the Bill of Rights. I, I love all of that stuff. I mean, really, if you really want to have a good conversation with me, come and ask me some questions about John Adams and John Quincy Adams and Abigail Adams. That's, that's probably three of my favorite characters in all of history to go into to, to really study and to understand and to see the dynamic between those three. But our nation is not what it once was. And what have we lost? And, and this is something that's really important because so many times people go and they point and they say, well, it's because the other side is getting elected or, you know, uh, we've just got rhinos that got in there or something like that. But, you know, I think that it's something much more foundational, something perhaps even simpler to go and to look at, and that is we've lost the fear of the Lord in our nation. We don't have political leaders who fear God. We don't have citizens anymore who fear God, or very few, and Quite frankly, it's even gotten so bad that I'm not sure we have very many who are in the pulpit who fear God. There are few pastors in the United States who truly fear God, and this has brought shame as opposed to glory 
on our land. If we want to bring glory back to our land, if we want to make America great again, we need to come back to fearing God. That's the important step. We need to fear God. But today I really want to focus in most of our time in Psalm chapter 84, actually. And it tells us this, and this is, you know, a fairly familiar passage of Scripture uh, in verse 10, where it says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a, day, a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know, we, we often hear that, that phrase, you know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, you know, I, I, you know or people sometimes go and they change, you know, I'd rather be a, be a janitor uh, in the house of God, you know, than, than something else. A lot of times people go and they, they, they use that phrase or they modify that phrase and they're referencing this verse here. And I just want us to stop and to think about this verse for just a moment, because there's some things that it is implying that I think is really important to go and to understand. The first one here is that it's going and it's saying that not every place is God's house. Not every place is God's house. You know, we we look at this, uh, it, it goes and it says, than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Uh, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Not every place is God's house. You know, so many people um, think that every place is God's house. But let me take this a step further here. Uh, because not every place is God's house, that means that there are certain qualities that describe God's house and that are God's house. And then there are certain qualities that don't describe God's house and then therefore are not God's house. Um, and, and let me take this to a point that a lot of people might be uncomfortable with, but it's a truth that's right here implied in Scripture, and that is not every church is God's house. You know, in the book of Revelation, John refers in the—I don't remember if it's chapter 2 or chapter 3, I think it's chapter 3—to uh, the synagogue of Satan, to the synagogue of Satan. There are some places that are a, a church or a synagogue of Satan. They're, they're a place that is supposed to be a, a religious thing that is supposed to be teaching and preaching God's word, but instead they become a synagogue of Satan. And, and we see these in our day and age today. You know, if if you want to see a good, um, a, really a, a really good documentary on this, go and check out Enemies Within the Church. You can go and find that at enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com. Go, go and check that out. It really exposes these places that are not God's house, but it's enemies within. Um, but we we look at this concept, not every church is God's house. Not every place is God's house. And, and I see this so many times in our culture where we go and we hear that somebody who perhaps they, they weren't going to any church before, they weren't doing anything like that, but all of a sudden they start going to church or, or, or maybe it's a parent talking about their kid and the parent goes to a really solid, good church and they're looking down at their, their kid and instead of going and saying, you know, I'm disappointed in my child because they're not doing what is godly, what is right, they go and they say, well, I'm just glad they're going to church. I'm I'm just glad they're going to church. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, you know, maybe not a church I'd go to, but oh, I'm just glad that they're going to church. Well, let me just stop and say this. Not every church is God's house. You should only be glad if they're going to a church that God would say, that's my house. That's my house there. 
If it's a place that God would say, no, nah, that's the synagogue of Satan, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be happy that they're going to church. They might stumble upon a truth and they might end up repenting and leaving that church and going to a good church. That's true. That that can happen. It's happened you know, once in a while. But you shouldn't be happy that they're going to a synagogue of Satan. And so we need to be careful when we're going and we're we're coming to assumptions uh, on this idea when we're looking out and we're seeing, oh yeah, somebody's going to a church. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, they're good. They're a good Christian. They go to a church. Well, no, because there's the house of God and then there's the tent of the wicked. There's the house of God and there's the tent of the wicked. And that brings us to the second thing that we really see here, and that is the the difference between a house and a tent. You know. It's called God's house because God's house brings a, a place of permanence. It's a place where where a family gathers together. We go and we we see this here. When you come into God's house, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. When you go there, you're going to be amongst family. And you're going to also, on the other side, be in a place that, that is permanent. You know, it, it is a thing that is is lasting. It, it means that you ought to go into put down roots into that house. You ought to go into join that house. You ought to be a part of that house. And not ought to be something that you just leave easily or go into to, to move away from or something like that with ease. It, it's something that you should go and to look at and to invest in in and to find shelter and comfort in. On the other side, it's a tent, the tent of the wicked. And I won't lie, every time I think of a tent, the first memory that comes to mind is one of the few times that Sarah and I have decided that we're going to go camping. And we decided one time that we're going to go camping. We took some friends with us. And as we were going camping, we went, we got it set up. We got the tent set up and everything like that. And this big storm comes about. It, it comes around, and uh, we, we had a tent that wasn't one of those that you go and you put the poles in and, you know, you snap them all together. It wasn't that. It, it, it was an interesting one, one that it kind of just all, it's all connected already, and you just pop it up. And so you could pop it up really quick, like in five minutes, and the poles are already inside of it, and they're retractable, but you don't have to weave them in through the mesh or anything like that. They're already there, and you just kind of pull them out, and it locks in a place. But then it causes the the tent to have some joints is the problem uh, where they lock in a place. It, it causes it to have some joints. And, and so uh, this big storm is coming up and me and my friend Tom, we're, we're sitting here and we're trying to decide if we're, we're going to stay out here because, I mean, this storm's looking kind of bad. We got the radar pulled up. Now, we're not too far away from my parents' house, about a half mile, actually. They've got a nice little camping spot out there. And, and uh, Sarah, though, she kind of realized, hey... Uh, the, this wind is pretty bad. I'm going to go sit inside the tent just in case. So the tent doesn't fly away. She was, she, she was thinking ahead, uh, on this, um, or, or not trusting that I, you know, put the stakes in very well. So, so something like that was going on. I'm not sure. Uh, but it was actually really good because all of a sudden Tom's tent goes and starts picking up and, and flying away. And, and we go and chase it down and grab it before it goes into, uh, the fire that we had going. Um, but Sarah's sitting there in the tent. And so our tent's not flying away. Uh, but all of a sudden the wind hits the joints of this tent and the whole tent collapses on top of her. It just collapses on top of her. And that's what I think of when I think of a tent, but there's actually some application to that into this passage. 
Because like I said, the house of God is a permanent place. It's a place where you go and you invest in. You know, a tent, you might go and you might buy a really nice tent. You might buy a cool tent, but it's still not going to be as expensive as your house. I, at least I hope not. You're, you're not going to invest in much as much in it. It's also not going to be something that's permanent. It's also going to be something that if a storm comes up on it, well, it's it, it doesn't have the foundation to, to withstand. If it has joints in it like my tent did, it's going to collapse on itself. If it doesn't have joints on it, it might be picked up off the ground and blow off somewhere else. It's not a stable place. When we understand God's house versus the house of the wicked, we see that God's house is a place of stability for our life. And so when we go and we see that the psalmist is saying, I would rather dwell or be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness, I want you to understand that it's not just a nice sentiment here, but it is actually something that brings something in your life. It brings you safety. It brings you stability when you choose to dwell in the house of God. It brings you all kinds of benefits to actually dwell in the house of God as opposed to the tent of the wicked. And I also want you to realize that the tent of the wicked will either collapse in on itself or it will just blow away when the storms come. So when you're going and you're making a decision in your life, where are you going to dwell? Where are you going to invest your life into? I'm just going to encourage you to invest your life into the house of God as opposed to the tent of the wicked. And there's really only two options that are given here. Because if you're investing into the house of God, you're going to bring stability, you're going to bring safety in your life, and you're going to, excuse me, find a family. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may be able to observe all, excuse me, day and night, you may be able, may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. Sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. Oh, but even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting